Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm hooning, waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. I'm pointing them to the moon. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 485. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. We have got and to be quite honest, before you, we have got it's a two-hour story. Before we even go there, so take some time. But we have got one of the probably the classic stories since I started Starship Sofa that kind of came out in that era it, over these ten years, nearly eleven, and just amazing. So I want you to sit back today and just enjoy this story. So I'll tell you what's coming in today's show. The main fiction is The Gin's Wife by Ian MacDonald, which was originally published in Asimov's, I think it was around about 2006. And this story won the Hugo for Best Novelette as well. And like I say, when Starship Sova kicked off, this is what, you know, one of the stories that was just kind of everybody was talking about. And when I go onto the internet science fiction database, you can just see, do you know what I mean, the amount of times it's been republished as well. Just amazing. Like I say, it started off with Sheila Williams, 2006. Then Jonathan Strand's Nightshade Books, you know, the best science fiction volume and fantasy volume one. That collection there, it was in there. Then Gardner Doswell's got it up there again. Then Ian MacDonald put in the best Siberia days. Now, remember that collection as well. So it has some pedigree, this story. And like I say, it's just... One of those stories 
for me was like I guess quintessential when you know with the kind of starships over the excitement of podcasts and science fiction and what we could do. Do you know what I mean? And we've got this story now, so how cool is that? I'll give you a little heads up about Ian MacDonald. Ian MacDonald is a science fiction writer living just outside Belfast in Northern Ireland. His first novel was Desolation Road, and his most recent is Luna Wolf Moon from Tor in the USA and Glance in the UK. He's been nominated for every major SFF award and has even won a few. Like I say, this one, Best Novelette, Hugo. How cool is that? This story is narrated by Kushnik Nishuma, who is a management consultant by day and a struggling writer. <laughs> I love that. Everyone's a struggling writer. There'll be a link on if you want to pop over to Kushnik's site as well. Thank you so much. So... Get ready, the Starship Sova is very proud to present The Jin's Wife by Ian MacDonald Once there was a woman in Delhi who married a Jin. Before the water war, that was not so strange a thing. Delhi, split in two like a brain, had been the city of Jinns from time before time. The Sufis tell that God made two creations, one of clay and one of fire. That of clay became man, that of fire, the genie. As creatures of fire, they have always been drawn to Delhi, seven times reduced to ashes by invading empires, seven times reincarnating itself. Each turn of the chakra, the jinns have drawn strength from the flames, multiplying and dividing. Great dervishes and brahmins are able to see them, but on any street, at any time, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anyone may catch the whisper and momentary wafting warmth of a jinn passing. I was born in Ladakh. Far from the heat of the jinns, they have wills and whims quite alien to humans. But my mother was Delhi-born and raised, and from her I knew its circuses and boulevards, its maidans and chowks and bazaars like those of my own lay. Delhi to me was a city of stories, and so if I tell the story of the jinn's wife in the manner of a Sufi legend, or a tale from the Mahabharata, or even a TV soap opera, that is how it seems to me. 
a city of jinns. They are not the first to fall in love on the walls of the Red Fort. The politicians have talked for three days and an agreement is close. In honor, the Avadhi government has prepared a grand darbar in the great courtyard before the Diwan-e-Aam. All India is watching, so this spectacle is on a Victorian scale. Event planners scurry across hot, bare marble, hanging banners and bunting, erecting staging, setting up sound and light systems, choreographing dancers, elephants, fireworks and a flypast of combat robots, dressing tables and drilling serving staff and drawing up so careful seating plans so that no one will feel snubbed by anyone else. All day, three-wheeler delivery drays have brought fresh flowers, festival goods, finest soft furnishings. There's a real French sommelier raving at what the simmering Delhi heat is doing to his wine plan. It's a serious conference. At stake are a quarter of a billion lives. In this second year, after the monsoon failed, the Indian nations of Avad and Bharat face each other with main battle tanks, robot attack helicopters, strikeware and tactical nucleoslow missiles on the bank of the sacred river Ganga. Along 30 kilometers of staked-out sand, where Brahmins cleanse themselves and sadhus pray, the government of Awadh plans a monster dam. Kunda Khadar will secure the water supply for Awadh's 130 million for the next 50 years. The river downstream that flows past the sacred cities of Allahabad and Varanasi in Bharat will turn to dust. Water is life. Water is death. Bharati diplomats Human and artificial intelligence AI advisors negotiate careful deals and access rights with their rival nation. Knowing one carelessly spilled drop of water will see strike robots battling like kites over the glass towers of New Delhi, and slow missiles with nanonuke warheads in their bellies creeping on cat claws through the gullies of Varanasi. The rolling news channels clear their schedules of everything else but cricket. A deal is close. A deal is agreed. A deal will be signed tomorrow. Tonight, they've earned their darbar. And in the whirlwind of leaping hijras and parading elephants, a Kathak dancer slips away for a cigarette and a moment up on the battlements of the Red Fort. She leans against the sun-warmed stone, careful of the fine gold threadwork of her costume. Beyond the Lahore gate lies hiving Chandni Chok, the sun a vast blister bleeding onto the smokestacks and light farms of the western suburbs. The Chhatris of the Sisganj Gurudwara, the minarets and domes of the Jama Masjid, the Shikhara of the Shiv Temple are shadow puppet scenery against the red, dust-laden sky. Above them, pigeons storm and dash, wings wheezing. Black kites rise on the thermals above Old Delhi's thousand-thousand rooftops. Beyond them, a curtain wall, taller and more imposing than any built by the Mughals, stand the corporate towers of New Delhi. Hindu temples of glass and construction diamonds stretch to fantastical spiring heights, twinkling with stars and aircraft warning lights. A whisper inside her head, a name accompanied by a spray of sitar, the call tone of her palmer, transduced through her skull onto her auditory center by the subtle hoek curled like a piece of jewelry behind her ear. I'm just having a quick BD break. Give me a chance to finish it, she complains. Expecting Pran, the choreographer, a famously touchy third-sex newt. Then, oh. For the gold-lit dust rises before her, up into a swirl like a dancer made from ash. A jinn.
the thought hovers on her caught breath. Her mother, though Hindu, devoutly believed in the jinni. In any religion, supernatural creatures with a skill for trickery. The dust coalesces into a man in a long, formal sherwani and loosely wound red turban, leaning on the parapet and looking out over the glowing anarchy of Janni Chok. He is very handsome, the dancer thinks, hastily stubbing out her cigarette and letting it fall in an arc of red embers over the battlements. It does not do to smoke in the presence of the great diplomat, A.J. Rao. You needn't have done that on my account, Esha, A.J. Rao says, pressing his hands together in a namaste. It's not as I can catch anything from it. Isha Rathor returns the greeting, wondering if the stage crew down in the courtyard was watching her salute empty air. All Avad knows those filmy star features. A.J. Rao, one of Bharat's most knowledgeable and tenacious negotiators. No, she corrects herself, all Avad knows are pictures on a screen. Pictures on a screen, pictures in her head, a voice in her ear. An AI. You know my name. I am one of your greatest admirers. Her face flushes. A waft of stifling heat spun off from the vast palace's microclimate. Isha tells herself, not an embarrassment, never embarrassment. But, but I'm a dancer and you are an... Artificial intelligence? That I am. Is this some new anti-AI legislation that we can't appreciate dance? He closes his eyes. Ah, I'm just watching the marriage of Radha and Krishna again. But he has her vanity now. Which performance? Star Arts Channel. I have them all. I must confess I often have you running in the background while I'm in a negotiation. But please don't mistake me. I never tire of you. AJ Rao smiles. He has very good, very white teeth. Strange as it may seem, I am not sure what the etiquette is in this sort of thing. I came here because I wanted to tell you that I am one of your greatest fans and that I am very much looking forward to your performance tonight. It's the highlight of this conference for me. The light is almost gone now and the sky a pure deep eternal blue like a minor chord. Houseboys make their many ways along the ramps and wall walks, lighting rows of tiny oil lamps. The red fort glitters like a constellation fallen over old Delhi. Isha has lived in Delhi all her twenty years and she has never seen her city from this vantage. She says, I'm not sure what the etiquette is either. I've never spoken with an AI before. Really? AJ now stands with his back against the sun-warmed stone, looking up at the sky, and her, out the corner of his eye. The eyes smile slyly. Of course, she thinks. Her city is as full of AIs as it is with birds. From computer systems and robots with the feral smarts of rats and pigeons, to entities like this one standing before her on the gate of the Red Fort, making charming compliments. Not standing, not anywhere, just a pattern of information in her head. She stammers. I, I mean, uh, uh, a level 2.9? I don't know what that means. The AI smiles and she tries to work it out, but there is another chime in Nisha's head and this time it is Pran, swearing horribly as usual. Where is she? Doesn't she know it's got a show to put on? Half the bloody continent watching... 
Excuse me. Of course, I shall be watching. How, she wants to ask, an AI, a jinn, wants to watch me dance? What is this? But when she looks back, all there is to ask is a wisp of dust blowing along the lantern-lit battlements. There are elephants and circus performers, there are illusionists and table magicians, there are ghazal and kawali and boli singers, there is the catering and the sommelier's wine, and then the lights go up on the stage and Isha spins out past the scowling pran as the tabla and the melodon and the shehnai begin. The heat is intense in the marble square, but she is transported. The stampings, the pirouettes and swirl of her skirts, the beat of the ankle bells, the facial expressions, the subtle hand mudras. Once again, she is spun out of herself by the disciplines of Kathak into something greater. She would call it her art, her talent, but she is superstitious. That would be to claim it and so crush the gift. Never name it, never speak it. Just let it possess you. Her own burning gin. But as she spins across the brilliant stage before the seated delegates, a corner of her perception scans the architecture for cameras, robots, eyes through which A.J. Rao might watch her. Is she a splinter of his consciousness, as he is a splinter of hers? She barely hears the applause as she curtsies to the bright lights and runs off stage. In the dressing room, as her assistants remove and carefully fold the many jewel layers of her costume, wipe away the crusted stage makeup to reveal the 22-year-old beneath. Her attention keeps flicking to her earwork, curl like a plastic question on her dressing table, in jeans and silk sleeveless vest, indistinguishable from any other of Delhi's 4 million 20-somethings. She coils the device behind her ear, smooths her hair over it, and her fingers linger a moment as she slides the palmer over her hands. No calls, no messages, no avatars. She's surprised it mattered so much. The official mercs are lined up in the delegate. A man and woman intercept her on the way to the car. She waves them away. I don't do autographs, never after a performance. Get out, get away quick and quiet, disappear into the city. The man opens his palm to show her a warrant badge. We'll take this car. It pulls out from the line and cuts in, a cream-coloured high-mark Maruti. The man politely opens the door to let her enter first, but there is no respect in it. The woman takes the front seat beside the driver. He accelerates out, horns blaring into the great circus of night traffic around the red fort. The airco purrs. I am Inspector Thakur from the Department of Artificial Intelligence Registration and Licensing, the man says. He is young and good-skinned and confident and not at all fazed by sitting next to a celebrity. His aftershave is perhaps over-emphatic. A Krishna cop, that makes him wince. Our surveillance systems have flagged up a communication between you and the Bharati Level 2.9 AI AJ Rao. He called me, yes. At 21.08, you were in contact for 6 minutes, 22 seconds. Can you tell me what you talked about? The car is driving very fast for Delhi. The traffic seems to flow around from it. Every light seems to be green. Nothing is allowed to impede its progress. Can they do that? Isha wonders. Krishna cops, AI police. Can they tame the creatures they hunt? We talked about Kathak. He's a fan. Is there a problem? Have I done something wrong? 
No, nothing at all, miss. But uh, you do understand with a conference of this importance on behalf of the department, I apologize for the unseemliness. Ah, here we are. They brought her right to her bungalow. Feeling dirty, dusty, confused, she watches the Krishna cop car drive off, holding Delhi's frenetic traffic at bay with its tame gins. She pauses at the gate. She needs, she deserves a moment to come out from the performance. That little step way so that you can turn around and look back at yourself and say, Yeah, Isha Rathod. The bungalow is unlit, quiet. Nita and Priya will be out with their wonderful fiancés, talking wedding gifts and guest lists and how hefty or dowry they can squeeze from their husbands' to-be families. They are not her sisters, though they share the classy bungalow. No one has sisters anymore in Avad or even Bharat. No one of Isha's age, though she's heard the balance is being restored. Daughters are fashionable. Once upon a time, a woman paid the dowry. She breathes deep of her city. The cool garden microclimate presses down the roar of Delhi to a muffled throb like blood in the heart. She can smell dust and roses, rose of Persia, flower of the Urdu poets, and dust. She imagines it rising up on a whisper of wind, spinning into a charming, dangerous gin. No, an illusion, her madness of a mad old city. She opens the security gate and finds every square centimetre of the compound filled with red roses. Nita and Priya are waiting for her at the breakfast table next morning, sitting side by side close like an interview panel. Or Krishna cops. For once, they aren't talking houses and husbands. Who, where, who, who, where did they come from? Who sent them? So many, must have cost a fortune. Puri, the housemaid, brings Chinese green chai that's good against cancer. The sweeper has gathered the bouquets into a pile at one end of the compound. The sweet of their perfume is already tinged with rot. He's a diplomat. Nita and Priya only watch town and country and the charty channels, but uh, even they must know the name of A.J. Rao. So she half lies. A Bharati diplomat. Their mouths go ooh, then ah as they look at each other. Nita says, you have, have, have to bring him to our darbar, says Priya. Yes, our darbar, says Nita. They've talked, gossiped, planned little else for the past two months. Their grand joint engagement party where they show off to their as yet unmarried girlfriends and make all the single men jealous. Isha excuses her grimace with the bitterness of the health tea. He's, uh, he's very busy. She doesn't say busy man. She cannot even think why she's playing these silly, girly, secrecy games. An AI called her at the Red Fort to tell her it admired her. Didn't even meet her. There was nothing to meet. It was all in her head. I'm, I don't even know how to get in touch with him. They don't give their numbers out. He's coming, Nita and Priya insist. She can hardly hear the music for the rattle of the old airco, but the sweat runs down her sides along the waistband of her Adidas tights to gather in the hollow of her back and slide between the taut curves of her ass. She tries it again across the gharana's practice floor. Even the ankle bells sound like lead. Last night, she touched the three heavens. This morning, she feels dead. She can't concentrate, and that little lavda pran knows it. 
swishing at her with its cane and gobbing out wads of chewed pan and mealy eunuch curses. Eh, less staring at your palmer, more mudras, decent mudras. You jerk my dick if I had done. Embarrassed that Pran had noticed something she was not conscious of herself. Ring, ring, call me, ring, take me out of this. She fires back. If you ever had one. Pran slashes its cane at her legs, catches the back of her calf, a sting. Fuck you, hijra! Isha snatches up towel bag palmer, hooks the earpiece behind her long straight hair. No point changing, the heat out there will soak through anything in a moment. I'm out of here. Pran doesn't call after her. It's too proud. Little freak monkey thing, she thinks. How is it that a newt is an yet, but an incorporeal AI is a he? In the legends of old Delhi, jinns are always he. Mehm Sab The chauffeur is in full dress and boots. His only concession to the heat is his shades. In bra top and tights and bare skin, she's melting. The vehicle is fully air-conditioned, Mehm Sab. The white leather upholstery is so cool her flesh recoils from its skin. This isn't the Krishna cops? No, Mehm Sab. The chauffeur pulls out into the traffic. It's only as the security locks clunk, she thinks, Oh Lord Krishna, they could be kidnapping me. Who sent you? There's a glass too thick for her fists between her and her driver. Even if the doors weren't locked, a tumble from the car at this speed in this traffic would be too much for even a dancer's leith reflexes. And she's lived in Delhi all her life, Basti to Bangalore. She doesn't recognize these streets, this suburb, that industrial park. Where are you taking me? Mehm Saab, where I am not permitted to say, for that would spoil the surprise. But I am permitted to tell you that you are the guest of AJ Rao. The palmer calls her name as she finishes freshening up with bottled kindly from the car bar. Hello. Kicking back deep into the cool, cool white leather like a filmy star. She is a star. A star with a bar in a car. Audio only. I trust the car is acceptable. Same smooth, suave voice. She can't imagine any opponent being able to resist that voice in negotiation. It's uh, it's wonderful. Very luxurious. Very high status. She's out in the Bastis now. Slums deeper and meaner than the one she grew up in. Newer. The newest ones always look the oldest. Boys chuck past on a homebrew chakra they scavenged from tractor paths. The cream legs carefully detours around emaciated cattle with angular hips jutting through stretched skin like engineering. Everywhere, drought dust lies thick on the crazed hardtop. This is a city of stairs. Aren't you supposed to be at the conference? A laugh inside her auditory center. Oh, I am hard at work winning water for Bharat, believe me. I am nothing if not an assiduous civil servant. You're telling me you're there and here. Oh, it's nothing for us to be in more than one place at the same time. There are multiple copies of me and subroutines. So which is the real you? They are all the real me. In fact, not one of my avatars is in Delhi at all. I am distributed over a series of dharma cores across Varanasi and Patna. He sighs. It sounds close and wary and warm as a whisper in her ear. 
You find it difficult to comprehend the distributed consciousness. It is every bit as hard for me to comprehend the discrete mobile consciousness. I can only copy myself through what you call cyberspace, which is the physical reality of my universe, but you move through dimensional space and time. So which one of you loves me then? The words are out, wild, loose and unconsidered. I mean, as a dancer, that is. She's filling, gabbling. Is there one of you particularly appreciates Kathak? Polite, polite words. Like you'd say to an industrialist or a hopeful lawyer at one of Neeta and Priya's hideous matchmaking soirees. Don't be forward. No one likes a forward woman. This is a man's world now. But she hears glee bubble in AJ Rao's voice. Why, all of me and every part of me, Isha. Her name. He used her name. It's a shitty street of pie dogs and men lounging on charpoys. Scratching themselves, but the chauffeur insists, Here, this way, Mame Saab. She picks her way down a gully lined with unsteady minarets of old car tires. Burning he and stale urine reek the air. Kids mob the Lexus, but the car has AJ Rao levels of security. The chauffeur pushes open an old wooden brass Mughal-style gate in a crumbling red wall. Mames up. She steps through into a garden. Into the ruins of a garden. The gasp of wonder dies. The geometrical water channels of the Charbagh are dry, cracked, choked with litter from picnics. The shrubs are blousy and overgrown. The plant border ragged with weeds. The grass is capped brown with drought burn. The lower branches of the trees have been hacked away for firewood. As she walks towards the crack-roofed pavilion at the centre where paths and water channels meet, the gravel beneath her thin shoes is crazed into rivulets from past monsoons. Dead leaves and fallen twigs cover the lawns. The fountains are dry and silted. Yet families stroll pushing baby buggies, Children chase balls, old Islamic gentlemen read the papers and play chess. The Shalimar Gardens, says A.J. Rao in the base of her skull. Paradise as a walled garden. And as he speaks, a wave of transformation breaks across the garden, sweeping away the decay of the 21st century. Trees break into full leaf, flower beds blossom, rows of terracotta geranium pots march down the banks of the Charbag. Channels which shiver with water. The tiered roofs of the pavilion gleams with gold leaf. Peacocks fluster and fuzz their vanities. And everything glitters and splashes with fountain play. The laughing families are swept back into Mughal Grandis. The old men in the park transformed into Malis, sweeping the gravel paths with their besoms. Isha claps her hands in joy, hearing a distant silver spray of sitar notes. Oh, she says, numb with wonder. Oh, a thank you for what you gave me last night. This is one of my favorite places in all India, even though it's almost forgotten. Perhaps because it is almost forgotten. Aurangzeb was crowned Mughal emperor here in 1658. Now it's an evening stroll for the Basti people. The past is a passion of mine. It's easy for me for all of us. We can live in as many times as we can places. I often come here in my mind, or should I say it comes to me.
Then the jets from the fountain ripple as if in the wind, but it is not the wind, not on this stifling afternoon. And the falling water flows into the shape of a man walking out of the spray. A man of water that shimmers and flows and becomes a man of flesh. A.J. Rao. No, she thinks, never flesh. A jinn. A thing caught between heaven and hell. A caprice. A trickster. Then trick me. It is as the old Urdu poets declare, says A.J. Rao. Paradise is indeed contained within a wall. It's far past four, but she can't sleep. She lies naked, shameless. But for the hoek, behind her ear, on top of her bed, with the window slats open and the ancient air coat chugging, fitful in the periodic brownouts. It is the worst night yet. The city gasps for air. Even the traffic sounds beaten tonight. Across the room, her palmer opens its blue eye and whispers her name. Isha. She's up, kneeling on the bed, hand to the hoek, sweat beading her bare skin. I'm here. A whisper. Nita and Priya are a thin wall away on either side. It's late, I know. I'm sorry. She looks across the room into the palmer's camera. It's all right, I wasn't asleep. A tone in that voice. What is it? The mission is a failure. She kneels in the center of the big antique bed. Sweat runs down the fold of her spine. The conference? What? What happened? She whispers. He speaks in her head. It fell over one point. One tiny, trivial point, but it was like a wedge that split everything apart until it all collapsed. The Avadhis will build their dam at Kunda Khadar and they will keep their holy Ganga water for Avad. My delegation is already packing. We will return to Varanasi in the morning. Her heart kicks. Then she curses herself. Stupid, romantic girly. He is already in Varanasi as much as he is here, as much as he is at Red Fort, assisting his human superiors. I'm sorry. Yes, he says. That is the feeling. Was I overconfident in my abilities? People will always disappoint you. A wry laugh in the dark of her skull. How very disembodied of you, Isha. Her name seems to hang in the hot air like a cord. Will you dance for me? What? Here? Now? Yes. I need something embodied. Physical. I need to see a body move, a consciousness dance through space and time as I cannot. I need to see something beautiful. Need. A creature with the powers of a god needs. But Isha suddenly shy, covering her small, taut breasts with her hands. Music, she stammers. I, ca I can't perform without music. The shadows at the end of the bedroom thicken into an ensemble. Three men bent over Tabla, Sarangi and Bansuri. Isha gives a little shriek and ducks back to the modesty of her bed cover. They cannot see you, they don't even exist except in your head. And even if they were flesh... They would be so intent on their contraption of wire and skin, they would not notice. Terrible, driven things, musicians. I have incorporated a copy of a sub-AI into myself for this night, A.J. Rao says. A level 1.9 composition system. I supply the visuals. You can swap bits of yourself in and out? Isha asks. 
The tabla player has started a slow tap beat on the daya drum. The musicians nod at each other, counting. They will be counting. It's hard to convince herself Nita and Priya can't hear, no one can hear but her and A.J. Rao. The sarangi player sets his bow to the strings. The basuri lets loose a snake of fluting notes. A sangeet, but not one she has ever heard before. It's making it up. It's a composition AI. Do you recognize the sources? Krishna and the Gopis. One of the classic Kathak themes. Krishna's seduction of the milkmaids with his flute, the basuri, most sensual of instruments. She knows the steps and feels her body anticipating the moves. Will you dance, lady? And she steps with the potent grace of a tiger from the bed onto the grass matting off her bedroom floor into the focus of the palmer. Before, she had been shy, silly, girly. Not now. She has never had an audience like this before. A lordly jinn. In pure, hot silence, she executes the turns and stampings and bows of the 108 gopis, bare feet kissing the woven grass. Her hands shape mudras, her face the expressions of the ancient story. Surprise, coyness, intrigue, arousal. Sweat courses luxuriously down her naked skin. She doesn't feel it. She is clothed in movement and night. Time slows. The stars halt in their arc over Great Delhi. She can feel the planet breathe beneath her feet. This is what it was for. All those dawn risings, all those bleeding feet, those slashes of bronze cane, those lost birthdays, that stolen childhood. She dances until her feet bleed again into the rough weave of the matting, until every last drop of water is sucked from her and turned into salt. But she stays with the tabla, the beat of daya and baya. She is the milkmaid by the river, seduced by a god. Ajay Rao did not choose this kathak wantonly. And then the music comes to its ringing end and the musicians bow to each other and disperse into golden dust and she collapses, exhausted as never before from any other performance, onto the end of her bed. Light wakes her. She is sticky, naked, embarrassed. The house staff couldn't find her. And she has a killing headache. Water, water. Joints, nerves, sinews plead for it. She pulls on a Chinese silk robe. On her way to the kitchen, the warrior eye of her palmer blinks at her. No erotic dream then. No sweat hallucinations stirred out of heat and hydrocarbons. She danced Krishna and the 108 gopis in her bedroom for an AI. A message. There's a number. You can call me. Throughout the history of the eight Delhis, there have been men, and almost always men, skilled in the lore of jinns. They are wise to their many forms and can see beneath the disguises they wear on the streets. Donkey, monkey, dog, scavenging kite, to their true selves. They know their roosts and places where they congregate. They are particularly drawn to mosques, and know that the unexplained heat as you push down a gully behind the Jama Masjid is jinns. Packed so tight, you can feel their fire as you push through them. The wisest, the strongest of fakirs know their names and so can capture and command them. Even in the old India, before the breakup into Avad and Bharat and Rajputana and the United States of Bengal, there were saints that could summon jinns to fly them on their backs from one end of Hindustan to the other in a night. 
In my own lay, there was an aged, aged Sufi who cast 108 jinns out of a troubled house. 27 in the living room, 27 in the bedroom and 54 in the kitchen. With so many jinns, there was no room for anyone else. He drove them off with burning yogurt and chilies but warned, Do not toy with jinns for they do nothing without a price. And though that may be years in the asking, ask it, they surely will. Now there is a new race jostling for space in their city, the AIs. If the jinni are the creation of fire and men of clay, these are the creation of word. Fifty million of them swarm Delhi's boulevards and chocks, routing traffic, trading shares, maintaining power and water, answering inquiries, telling fortunes, managing calendars and diaries, handling routine legal and medical matters, performing in soap operas, sifting the septillion pieces of information streaming through Delhi's nervous system each second. The city is a great mantra. From routers and maintenance robots with little more than animal intelligence, each animal is intelligent enough, ask the eagle or the tiger, to the great level 2.9s that are indistinguishable from a human being 99.99% of the time. They are a young race, energetic race, fresh to this world and enthusiastic, understanding little of their power. The jinns watch in dismay from their rooftops and minarets that such powerful creatures of living word should so blindly serve the clay creation. But mostly because, unlike human, they can foresee the time when the AIs will drive them from their ancient, beloved city and take their places. This Dabar, Nita and Priya's theme is town and country, the Bharati mega-soap that has perversely become fashionable as public sentiment in Avadh turns against Bharat. Well, we will just bloody well build our damn tanks or no tanks. They can beg for it. It's our water now. And in the same breath, what do you think about Ved Prakash? Isn't it scandalous what that Ritu Parvaz is up to? Once they derided it and its viewers, but now that is improper. Now that's unpatriotic. They can't get enough of Anita Mahapatra and the Begum Vora. So I'm still refused to watch but pay for daily plot digests so they can appear fashionably informed at social musts like Nita and Priya's dating darbars. And it is a grand darbar. The last before the monsoon, if it actually happens this year, Nita and Priya have hired top Bharti boys to provide a wash of mixes beamed straight into the guests' hooks. There's even a climate control field laboring at the limits of its containment to hold back the night heat. Isha can feel its ultrasonics as a dull buzz against her molars. Personally, I think sweat becomes you, says A.J. Rao, reading Isha's vital signs through her palmer. Invisible to all but Isha, he moves beside her like death, through the press of town and countryfied guests. By tradition, the last durbar of the season is a masked ball. In modern middle-class Delhi, that means everyone wears the computer-generated semblance of a soap character. In the flesh, they are the socially mobile, dressed in smart but cool, hot-season modes, but in the mind's eye, they are Aparna Chavla and Najay Nadia Dwala, dashing Govind and conniving Dr. Chatterjee. There are three Ved Prakashas and as many Lal Darfans, the AI actor that plays Ved Prakash in the machine-made soap. Even the grounds of Neeta's fiancé's suburban bungalow have been enchanted into Brahmapur, the fictional town of town and country where the actors that play the characters believe they live out their lives of celebrity tittle-tattle. 
when Nita and Priya judge that everyone has mingled and networked enough, the word will be given and everyone will switch off their glittering disguises and return to being wholesalers and lunch vendors and software rajas. Then the serious stuff begins. The matter of finding a bride. For now, Isha can enjoy wandering anonymous in company of her friendly Jin. She has been wandering much these weeks, through heat streets to ancient places, seeing her city fresh through the eyes of a creature that lives across many spaces and times. At the Sikh Gurudwara, she saw Teg Bahadur, the ninth guru beheaded by fundamentalist Aurangzeb's guards. The gyring traffic around Vijay Chowk melted into the Bentley cavalcade of Mountbatten, the last viceroy as he forever quit Lutyens's stupendous palace. The tourist clutter and shoving curio vendors around the Qutub Minar turned to ghosts and it was 11.93 and the muezzins of the first Mughal conquerors sang out the azan. Illusions. Little lies. But it is alright when it is done in love. Everything is alright in love. Can you read my mind? she asked, as she moved with her invisible guide through the thronging streets that every day grew less raucous, less substantial. Do you know what I am thinking about you, A.I. Rao? Little by little, she slips away from the human world into the city of jinns. Sensation at the gate. The male stars of town and country buzz around a woman in an ivory sequin dress. It's a bit damn clever. She's come as Yana Mitra, freshest, fittest, fastest Boli singstar. And Boli girls, like Kathak dancers, are still meat and ego. Though Yana, like every item singer, has had her computer avatar guest on TNC. AJ Rao laughs. If they only knew. Very clever. What better disguise than to go as yourself? It really is Yana Mitra. Isha Rathod. What's the matter? Where are you going? Why do you have to ask? Don't you know everything? Then you know it's hot and noisy and the ultrasonics are doing my head and the yap 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 is going right through me and they're all lonely after one thing. Are you married? Are you engaged? Are you looking? And I wish I hadn't come. I wish I'd just gone out somewhere with you and that dark corner under the Golmohar bushes by the Bhati rig looks like the place to get away from all the stupid, stupid people. Neeta and Priya, who know her disguise, shout over. So Isha, are we finally going to meet that man of yours? He's already waiting for her amongst the golden blossoms. Jinns travel at the speed of thought. What? What is it? What's the matter? She whispers. You know, sometimes I wish, I really wish you could get me a drink. Why, certainly, I will summon a waiter. No, too loud. Can't be seen talking to the bushes. No, I mean, hand me one. Just hand me one. But he cannot and never will. She says, I started when I was five. Did you know that? Oh, you probably did. You know everything about me. But I bet you didn't know how it happened. I was playing with the other girls, dancing around the tank, when this old woman from the gharana went up to my mother and said, I will give you a hundred thousand rupees if you give her to me. I will turn her... Into a dancer, maybe, if she applies herself. A dancer famous through all of India. And my mother said, why her? And do you know what the woman said? Because she shows rudimentary talent for movement, but mostly because you are willing to sell her for me for one lakh rupees. She took the money there and then, my mother. The old woman took me to the gharana. 
She had once been a great dancer, but she got rheumatism and couldn't move, and that made her bad. She used to beat me with lattes. I had to be up before dawn to get everyone chai and eggs. She would make me practice until my feet bled. They would hold my arms in slings to perform the mudras until I couldn't put them down again without screaming. I never once got home, and do you know something? I never wanted to. And despite her, I applied myself, and I became a great dancer. And do you know what? No one cares. I spent seventeen years mastering something no one cares about. But bring in some bully girl who's been around five minutes to flash her teeth and tits. Jealousy? Asks A J Rao, mildly scolding. Don't I deserve to be? Then Bharti Boy One blinks up. You are my Sonia on his palmer, and that's the signal to demask. Yana Mitra claps her hand in delight and sings along as all around her glimmering soapy stars dissolve into mundane accountants and engineers and cosmetic nanosurgeons, and the pink walls and roof gardens and thousand thousand stars of old Brahmapur melt and run down the sky. It's seeing them, exposed in their naked need, melting like that soap world before the sun of celebrity. That calls back the mad Isha knows from her childhood in the gharana. The brooch makes a piercing, ringing chime against the cocktail glass she has snatched from a waiter. She climbs up on a table. At last, that bully bitch shuts up. All eyes are on her. Ladies, but mostly gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. Even the city behind the sound curtain seems to be holding its breath. I am engaged to be married. Gasps, ooze. Polite applause. Who is she? Is she on TV? Isn't she something arty? Nita and Priya are wide-eyed at the back. I'm very, very lucky because my husband-to-be is here tonight. In fact, he's been with me all evening. Oh, silly me! Of course, I forgot. Not all of you can see him. Darling, would you mind, gentlemen and ladies, would you mind slipping on your hooks for just a moment? I am sure you don't need any introduction to my wonderful, wonderful fiance, AJ Rao. And she knows from the eyes, the mouth, the low murmur that threatens to break into applause, then fails, then is taken up by Nita and Priya to turn into a decorous ovation. That they can all see Rao as tall and elegant and handsome as she sees him, at her side, hand draped over hers, and she can't see that bully girl anywhere. He's been quiet all the way back in the fut-fut. He's quiet now in the house. They are alone. Nita and Priya should have been home hours ago, but Isha knows they're scared of her. You're very quiet. This, to the coil of cigarette smoke rising up towards the ceiling fan as she lies on her bed. She'd love a beady, a good dirty street smoke for once, not some big name Western brand. We were followed as we drove back after the party. An AI aircraft surveilled your fut-fut. A network analysis AI system sniffed at my router net to try to track this comm channel. I know for certain street cameras were tossed on us. The Krishna cop who lifted you after the Red Fort Darbar was at the end of the street. He is not very good at subterfuge. Isha goes to the window to spy out the Krishna cop, call him out, demand of him what he thinks he's doing. He's long gone," says Rao. "They have been keeping you under light surveillance for some time now. I would imagine your announcement has upped your level. They were there. 
as I said, light surveillance. It's scary but exciting down in the deep, deep Muldhara chakra. A red throb above her yoni. Scary sexy. That same lift of red madness that made her blurt out that marriage announcement. It's all going so far, so fast. No way to get off now. You never gave me the chance to answer, says A.I. Rao. Can you read my mind, Isha thinks at the palmer. No, but I share some operating protocols at scripting AIs for town and country. In a sense, they are a low-order part of me. They have become good predictors of human behavior. I am a soap opera. Then she falls back onto the bed and laughs and laughs and laughs until she feels sick, until she doesn't want to laugh anymore and every guffaw is a choke, a lie, spat up at the spy machines up there, beyond the lazy fan that merely stirs the heat, turning on the huge thermals that spire up from Delhi's colossal heat island, a conspiracy of jinns. Isha, A.J. Rao says, closer than he has ever seen before. Lie still. She forms the question, why? And hears the corresponding whisper inside her head, hush, don't speak. In the same instant, the chakra globe bursts like a yoke and leaks heat into her yoni. Oh, she says, oh. Her clitoris is singing to her. How? Again, the voice huge inside her head, inside every part of her shh. Building, building. She needs to do something. She needs to move, needs to rub against the day-warm, scented wood of the big bed. Needs to get her hand down there hard, hard, hard. No, don't touch, chides A.J. Rao, and now she can't even move. She needs to explode. She has to explode. Her skull can't contain this. Her dancer's muscles are pulled tight as wires. She can't take much more. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. She's shrieking now. Tiny little shrieks beating her fists off the bed. But it's just spasm. Nothing will obey her. And then it's explosion. Bam. And another one before that one has even faded. Huge slow explosions across the sky. And she's cursing and blessing every god in India. Ebbing now. But still shock after shock. One on top of the other, ebbing now, ebbing. Oh, oh, what? Oh, wow, how? The machine you wear behind your ear can reach deeper than words and visions, says A.J. Rao. So, are you answered? What? The bed is drenched in sweat. She's sticky, dirty, needs to wash, change clothes, move, but the afterglows are still fading. Beautiful, beautiful colors. The question you never gave me the chance to answer. Yes, I will marry you. Stupid vain girl, you don't even know what caste he is. Mata Madhuri smokes 80 a day through a plastic tube hooked through the respirator unit into a grommet in her throat. She burns through them three at a time. Bloody machine scrubs all the good out of them, she says. Last bloody pleasure I have. She used to bribe the nurses, but they bring her them free now, out of fear of her temper that grows increasingly wild as her body surrenders more and more to the machines. Without pause for Isha's reply, a flick of her whim whips the life support chair round and out into the garden. Can't smoke in there, no fresh air. Isha follows her out onto the raked gravel of the formal charbag. No one marries in caste anymore. Don't be smart, stupid girl. It's like marrying a Muslim. Or even a Christian. Lord Krishna protect me. 
you know what i mean not it's not even a real person there are girls younger than me that marry trees or even dogs so bloody clever that's up in some god awful shithole like bihar or rajputana and anyway those are gods any fool knows that ah away with you the old destroyed woman curses as the chess ai deploys its parasol sun sun i need sun i'll be burning soon enough sandalwood you hear you burn me on a sandalwood pyre i'll know if you stint madhuri the old crippled dance teacher always uses this tactic to kill a conversation with which she is uncomfortable when i'm gone burn me sweetly and what can a god do that aj rao can't i you ungrateful blaspheming child i'm not hearing this la 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 have you finished yet once a week isha comes to the nursing home to visit this ruin of a woman wrecked by the demands a dancer makes of a human body she's explored guilt need rage resentment anger pleasure at watching her collapse into long death as the motives that keep her turning up the drive in a fatfat and there is only one she believes she's the only mother she's had if you marry that thing you will be making a mistake that will destroy your life madhuri declares accelerating down the path between the water channels i don't need your permission isha calls after her a thought spins madhuri's chair on its axis oh really that would be a first for you you want my blessing well you won't have it i refuse to be party to such nonsense i will marry aj rao what did you say i will marry ai aj rao madhuri laughs a dry drying spitting sound full of bee smoke well you surprise me defiance good some spirit at last that was always your problem you always needed everyone to approve everyone to give you permission everyone to love you and that's what stopped you from being great do you know that girl you could have been a devi but you always held back for fear that someone might not approve and so you were only ever good people are looking now staff visitors patients raised voices unseemly emotions This is a house of calm and slow mechanized dying. Isha bends low to whisper to her mentor. I want you to know that I dance for him every night like Radha for Krishna. I dance just for him and then he comes and makes love to me. He makes me scream and swear like a hooker every night. And look, he doesn't need to call anymore. He is hardwired into the hoek. She now hardly ever takes off now. Isha looks up. He is there, standing in a sober black suit, among the strolling visitors and droning wheelchairs, hands folded. There he is, see, my lover, my husband. A long, keening screech, like feedback, like a machine dying. Madhuri's withered hands fly to her face. Her breathing tube curdles with tobacco smoke. Monster, monster, unnatural child! Ah, I should have left you in that basti. Away from me! Away! Away! Isha retreats from the old woman's mad fury as hospital staff come hurrying across the scorched lawns, white saris flapping. Every fairy tale must have a wedding. Of course, it was the event of the season. The decrepit old Shalimar Gardens were transformed by an army of Malis into a sweet garden. 
watered maharaja's fantasia with elephants pavilions musicians lancers dancers filmy stars and robot bartenders neeta and priya were uncomfortable bridesmaids in fabulous frocks a great brahman was employed to bless the union of women and artificial intelligence every television network sent cameras human or ai gleaming presenters checked the guests in and checked the guests out chatty mag paparazzi came in their crowds wondering what they could turn their cameras on there were even politicians from bharat despite the souring relationships between the two neighbors now our the constructors were scooping up the ganga sands into revetments but most there were the people of the encroaching bastis jostling up against the security staff lining the paths of their garden asking she's marrying a what how does that work can they you know and what about children who is she actually can you see anything i can't see anything is there anything to see but the guests and the great were hoiked up and applauded the groom in his golden veil on his white stallion stepping with the delicacy of a dressage horse up the raked paths and because they were guests there was not one who despite the free french champagne from the well-known diplomatic sommelier would ever say but there's no one there no one was at all surprised that after the bride left in a stretched limo there came a dry sparse thunder cloud to cloud and a hot mean wind that swept the discarded invitation along the paths as they were filing back to their taxis tankers were draining the expensively filled kanats it made the lead in the news kathak star weds ai lover honeymoon in kashmir above the chalks and minarets of delhi the jins bent together in conference he takes her while shopping in tughlaq mall 3 weeks and the shop girls still nod and whisper she likes that she doesn't like it that they glance and giggle when the krishna cops lift her from the counter at the black lotus japanese import company my husband is an accredited diplomat this is a diplomatic incident the woman in the bad suit pushes her head gently down to enter the car the ministry doesn't need personal liability claims yes but you are not mrs rao says thakur in the back seat still wearing that cheap aftershave rathod she says i have retained my stage name and we shall see what my husband has to say about my diplomatic status she lifts her hand in a mudra to speak to aj as she thinks of him now dead air she performs the wave again this is a shielded car thakur says the building is shielded also they take the car right inside down a ramp into the basement parking lot it's a cheap anonymous glass and titanium block on parliament street that she's driven past 10000 times on her way to the shops of connaught circus without ever noticing thakur's office is on the 15th floor it's tidy and has a fine view over the astronomical geometries of the jantar mantar but smells of food Tiffin snatched at the desk. She checks for photographs of family, children, wife, only himself, smart and pressed whites for a cricket match. Chai, please. The anonymity of this civil service block is beginning to unnerve her. A city within a city. The chai is warm and sweet and comes in a tiny disposable plastic cup. Thakur's smile seems also warm and sweet. He sits at the edge of his desk angled towards her in a Krishna cop handbook non-confrontational 
Mrs. Rathor, how to say this? My marriage is legal. Oh, I know, Mrs. Rathod. This is Avad after all. Why, there have even been women who married jinns within our own lifetimes. No, it's an international affair now, it seems. Oh, well. Water. We do also take it for granted, don't we? Until it runs short, that is. Everybody knows my husband is still trying to negotiate a solution to the Kunda Khadar problem. Yes, of course he is. Thakur lifts a manila envelope from his desk, peeps inside, grimaces coyly. How shall I put this, Mrs. Rathod? Does your husband tell you everything about his work? That is an impertinent question. Yes, yes, uh, forgive me, but uh, if you look at these photographs. Big, glossy, high-res prints. Slick and sweet-smelling from the printer. Aerial views of the ground. A thread of green-blue water, white sands, scattered shapes without meaning. This means nothing to me. I suppose it wouldn't, but these drone images show Bharati battle tanks, robot reconnaissance units and air defense batteries deployed within striking distance of the construction at Kunda Khadar. And it feels as if the floor has dissolved beneath her and she is falling through a void so vast it has no visible reference points other than the sensation of her own falling. My husband and I don't discuss work. Of course. Oh, Mrs. Rathod, you've crushed your cup. Let me get you another one. He leaves her much longer than it takes to get a shot of chai from the wala. When he returns, he asks casually, Have you heard of a thing called uh, the Hamilton Acts? I'm sorry, I thought in your position you would, but uh, evidently not. Basically... It's a series of international treaties originated by the United States limiting the development and proliferation of high-level artificial intelligence. Most specifically, the hypothetical Generation 3. No? Did he not tell you any of this? Mrs. Rathod, in her Italian suit, folds her ankles one and thinks, this reasonable man can do anything he wants here. Anything. As you probably know, We grade and license AIs according to levels. These roughly correspond to how convincingly they pass as human beings. A level 1 has basic animal intelligence, enough for its task, but would uh, never be mistaken for a human. Many of them can't even speak. They don't need to. A level 2.9, like your husband, he speeds over the word like the wheel of a Shatabdi express over the gap in a rail, is human-like to a 5th percentile. A generation 3 is indistinguishable in any circumstances from a human. In fact, their intelligences may be many millions of times ours, if there is any meaningful way of measuring that. Theoretically, we could not even recognize such an intelligence. All we would see would be the generation 3 interface, so to speak. The Hamilton Act simply seek to control technology that could give rise to a generation 3 AI. Mrs. Rathod We believe sincerely that the Generation 3s pose the greatest threat to our security as a nation and as a species that we have ever faced. And my husband? Solid, comfortable word. Tucker's sincerity scares her. The government is preparing to sign the Hamilton Acts in return for loan guarantees to construct the Kundakhadar Dam. 
when the act is passed and it's in the current session of the lok sabha everything under level 2.8 will be subject to rigorous inspection and licensing policed by us and over level 2.8 illegal mrs rathor they will be aggressively erased isha crosses and uncrosses her legs she shifts on the chair thakur will wait forever for her response what do you want me to do aj rao is highly placed within the bharati administration you are asking me to spy on an ai from his face she knows he expected her to say husband we have devices taps they would be beneath the level of ai rao's consciousness we can run them into your hoek we are not all blundering plods in the department go to the window mrs rathod isha touches her fingers lightly to the climate cooled glass polarized dusk against the drought light outside the smog haze says heat then she cries and drops to her knees in fear the sky is filled with gods rank upon rank tier upon tier rising up above delhi in a vast helix huge as clouds as countries until at the apex the trimurti the hindu trinity of brahma vishnu and shiva look down like falling moons it is her private ramayan the titanic vedic battle order of gods arrayed across the troposphere she feels tucker's hand help her up forgive me that was stupid unprofessional i was showing off i wanted to impress you with the ai systems we have at our disposal his hand lingers a moment more than gentle and the gods go out all at once she says mr thakur would you put a spy in my bedroom in my bed between me and my husband that's what you're doing if you tap into the channels between me and aj still the hand is there as thakur guides her to her chair offers cool cool water i only ask because i believe i'm doing something for this country i take pride in my job in some things i have discretion but not when it comes to the scrutiny of the nation do you understand isha twitches into dancer's composure straightens her dress checks her face and the least you can do is call me a car That evening she whirls to the tabla and shahnai across the day warmed marble of a jaipuri palace diwan e aam a flame among the twilight pillars the audience's dark huddles on the marble hardly daring even to breathe among the lawyers politicians journalists cricket stars moguls of industry are the managers who have converted this rajput palace into a planetary class hotel and any number of chatty celebs none so chatty so celebi as isha rathod Pran can cherry pick the bookings now. She's more than a nine-day, even a nine-week wonder. Isha knows that all her rapt watchers are hooked up, hoping for a ghost glimpse of her gin husband dancing with her through the flame-shadowed pillars. Afterwards, as yet carries her armful of flowers back to her suit, Pran says, "You know, I'm going to have to up my percentage." You wouldn't dare, Isha jokes. Then she sees the bare fear on the nude's face. It's only a wash, a shadow, but yet's afraid. Neeta and Priya had moved out of the bungalow by the time she returned from Dal Lake. They've stopped answering her calls. It's 7 weeks since she last went to see Madhuri. Naked, she sprawls on the pillows in the filigree light stone jharoka. She peers down from her covered balcony through the grill at the departing guests. See out, not see in. like the shut away women of the old zanana 
shut away from the world, shut away from human flesh. She stands up, holds her body against the day-warm stone, the press of her nipples, the rub of her pubis. Can you see me, smell me, sense me, know that I am here at all? And he's there. She does not need to see him now, just senses electric prickle along the inside of her skull. He fades into vision, sitting on the end of the low, ornate teak bed. He could as easily materialize in midair in front of her balcony, she thinks. But there are rules and games, even for jinns. You seem distracted, heart. He's blind in this room, no camera eyes observing her in her jeweled skin. But he observes her through a dozen senses, a myriad feedback loops through her hook. I'm tired, I'm annoyed, I wasn't as good as I should have been. Yes, I thought that too. Was it anything to do with the Krishna cops this afternoon? Isha's heart races. He can read her heartbeat, he can read her sweat, he can read the adrenaline and noradrenaline balance in her brain. He will know if she lies. Hide a lie inside a truth. I should have said I was embarrassed. He can't understand shame. Strange in a society where people die from want of honor. We could be in trouble. There's something called the Hamilton Acts. I am aware of them, he laughs. He has this way now of doing it inside her head. He thinks she likes the intimacy, a truly private joke. She hates it. All too aware of them. They wanted to warn me, us. That was kind of them, and me a representative of a foreign government. So that's why they'd been keeping a watch on you, to make sure you're all right. They thought they might be able to use me to get information from you. Did they indeed? The night is so still, she can hear the jingle of the elephant harnesses and the cries of the mahots as they carry the last of the guests down the long processional drive to their waiting limos. In a distant kitchen, a radio jabbers. Now we will see how human you are. Call him out. At last, A.J. Rao says, Of course, I do love you. Then he looks into her face. I have something for you. The staff turn their faces away in embarrassment as they set the device on the white marble floor. Back out of the room, eyes averted. What does she care? She is a star. A.J. Rao raises his hand and the lights slowly die. Pierced brass lanterns send soft stars across the beautiful old Zanana room. The device is the size and shape of a Fatfat tire, chromed and plasticked, alien among the Mughal retro. As Isha floats over the marble towards it, the plain white surfaces bubble and deliquesces into dust. Isha hesitates. Don't be afraid. Look, says A.J. Rao. The powder spurts up like steam from boiling rice, then pollen bursts into a tiny dust dervish, staggering across the surface of the disc. Take the hoek off, Rao cries delightedly from the bed. Take it off. Twice she hesitates. Three times he encourages. Isha slides the coil of plastic off the sweet spot behind her ear and voice and man vanish like death. Then the pillar of glittering dust leaps head high, lashes like a tree in a monsoon and twists itself into the ghostly outline of a man. It flickers once, twice, and then A.J. Rao stands before her. A rattle like leaves, a snake rasp, a rush of winds and then the image says... 
Isha, a whisper of dust. A thrill of ancient fear runs through her skins into her bones. What is this? What are you? The storm of dust parts into a smile. Eye dust. Micro-robots. Each is smaller than a grain of sand, but they manipulate static fields and light. They are my body. Touch me. This is real. This is me. But she flinches away in the lantern-lit room. Rao frowns. Touch me. She reaches out her hand towards his chest. Close, he is a creature of sand, a whirlwind permanently whipping around the shape of a man. Isha touches flesh to eye dust. Her hand sinks into his body. Her cry turns into a startled giggle. It tickles. The static feels. What's inside? Why don't you find out? What do you mean? It's the only intimacy I can offer. He sees her eyes widen under their cold makeup. I think you should hold your breath. She does, but keeps her eyes open until the last moment, until the dust flecks like a dead TV channel in her close focus. A.J. Rao's body feels like the most delicate Varanasi silk scarf draped across her bare skin. She is inside him. She is inside the body of her husband, her lover. She dares to open her eyes. Rao's face is a hollow shell looking back at her from a perspective of millimeters. When she moves her lips, she can feel the dust pots of his lips brushing against hers, an inverse kiss. My heart, my Radha, whispers the hollow mask of A.J. Rao. Somewhere Isha knows she should be screaming, but she cannot. She is somewhere no human has ever been before. And now the whirling streamers of eye dust are stroking her hips, her belly, her thighs, her breasts, her nipples, her cheeks and neck. All the places she loves to feel a human touch caressing her, driving her to her knees, following her as the moth-sized robots follow A.J. Rao's command, swallowing her with his body. It's Gupshap followed by Channi Chati and at 12.30 a photo shoot. At the hotel, if you don't mind, for Filmfare's Saturday special center spread. You don't mind if we send a robot. They can get places, get angles, we just can't get the meatware. And could you dress up like you did for the opening? Maybe a move or two in between the pillars in the divan, just like the gala opening. Okay, lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, your husband can copy us a couple of avatars and our own AIs can paste him in. People want to see you together. Happy couple, lovely couple, dancer risen from Basti, international diplomat, marriage across worlds in every sense, the romance of it all. So how did you meet? What first attracted you? What's it like to be married to an AI? How do the other girls treat you? Do you, you know, and what about children? I mean, of course, a woman and an AI, but there are technologies these days. Gene line engineering like all the super duper rich and their engineered children and you are a celebrity now. How are you finding it? Sudden rise to fame in every Gupshap column. Worldwide celebi star, everyone's talking, all the rage and all the chat and all the parties and as Isha answers for the sixth time the same questions asked by the same gazelle-eyed girly celebi reporters, oh, we are very happy. 
deliriously happy love is a wonderful wonderful thing and that's the thing about love it can be for anything anyone even a human and an ai that's the purest form of love spiritual love her mouth opening and closing yaba 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 but her inner eye her eye of shiva looks inwards backwards her mouth opening and closing lying on the big mughal sweetwood bed Yellow morning light scattered through the jharoka screen her bare skin goose pimpled in the cool of the aircon dancing between worlds sleep wakefulness in the hotel bedroom memory of the things he did to her limbic centers through the hours of the night that had her singing like a bulbul the world of the jins naked but for the hoek behind her ear She had become like those people who couldn't afford the treatments and had to wear eyeglasses and learn to at once ignore and be conscious of the technology on their faces. Even when she did remove it for performing for as now the shower, she could still place AJ Rao in the room, feel his physicality. In the big marble stroll in shower in this yip suit, relishing the gush and rush of precious water, always the mark of a true rani. She knew AJ is sitting on the carved chair by the balcony. So when she thumbed on the TV panel, bathroom with TV, ooh, to distract her while she towel dry her hair, her first reaction was a double take. Look at the hoek on the sink stand when she saw the press conference from Varanasi and water spokesman AJ Rao explaining Bharat's necessary military exercises in the vicinity of the Kunda Khadar Dam. She slipped on the hoek, glanced into the room. there on the chair as she felt there in the bharat sabha studio in varanasi talking to bharati from the good morning avadh news isha watched them both as she slowly distractedly dried herself she had felt glowing sensual divine now she was fleshy self-conscious stupid the water on the skin the air in the big room was cold 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 aj is that really you he frowned that's a very strange question first thing in the morning especially after she cut cold his smile there's a tv in the bathroom you're on doing an interview for the news a live interview so are you really here cho tweet you know what i am a distributed entity i'm copying and deleting myself all over the place i am wholly there and i am wholly here isha held the vast powder soft towel around her Last night when you were here in the body and afterwards when we were in the bed were you here with me wholly here or was there a copy of you working on your press statement and another having a high level meeting and another drawing an emergency water supply plan and another talking to banglas in dhaka my love does it matter yes it matters she found tears and something beyond anger choking in her throat It matters to me it matters to any woman to 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 any human Mrs Rao are you all right Rathod my name is Rathod she hears herself snap at the silly little chatty mag junior Isha gets up draws up her full dancer's pose this interview is over Mrs Rathod Mrs Rathod the journo girly calls after her Glancing at her fractured image in the thousand mirrors of the Shish Mahal, Isha notices glittering dust in the shallow lines of her face. A thousand stories tell of the willfulness and whims of jins, 
But for every story of the jinni, there are a thousand tales of human passion and envy and the AIs, being a creation between learned from both, jealousy and dissembling. When Isha went to Thakur, the Krishna cop, she told herself it was from fear of what the Hamilton acts might do to her husband in the name of national hygiene, but she dissembled. She went to that office on Parliament Street, looking over the star geometries of the Jantar Mantar out of jealousy. When a wife wants her husband, she must have all of him. Ten thousand stories tell this. A copy in the bedroom while another copy plays water politics is an unfaithfulness. If a wife does not have everything, she has nothing. So Isha went to Thakur's office, wanting to betray, and as she opened her hand on the desk and the techie boys loaded their darkware into her palmer, she thought, this is right, this is good, now we are equal. And when Thakur asked her to meet him again in a week to update the wear, unlike the jinns, hostages of eternity, softer entities on both sides of the war evolved at an ever-increasing rate. He told himself it was duty to his warrant, loyalty to his country. In this too, he dissembled. It was fascination. Earth mover robots started clearing the Kunda Khada dam site. The day Inspector Thakur suggested that perhaps next week, they might meet at the International Coffee House in Connaught Circus, his favourite. She said, my husband will see. To which Tucker replied, we have ways to blind him. But all the same, she sat in the furthest darkest corner under the screen showing the international cricket, hidden from any prying eyes. Her hook shut down and cold in her handbag. So what are you finding out? she asked. It would be more than my job is worth to tell you, Mrs. Rathod, said the Krishna cop. National security. Then the waiter brought coffee on a silver tray. After that, they never went back to the office. On the days of their meetings, Thakur would whirl her through the city in his garment car to Chandni Chok, to Humayun's tomb and the Kutab Minar, even to the Shalimar gardens. Isha knew what he was doing, taking her to the same places where her husband had enchanted her. How closely have you been watching me, she thought. Are you trying to seduce me? For Thakur did not magic her way to the eight delis of the dead past, but immersed her in the crowd, the smell, the bustle, the voices and commas and traffic and music, her present, her city burning with life and movement. I was fading, she realized. Fading out of the world, becoming a ghost, locked in that invisible marriage, just the two of us, seen and unseen. Always together, only together. She would feel for the plastic fetus of her hook, coiled into the bottom of her jeweled bag and hate it a little. When she slipped it back behind her ear in the privacy of the futfut back to her bungalow, she would remember that Thakur was always assiduous in thanking her for help in national security. Her reply was always the same. Never thank a woman for betraying her husband over her country. He would ask, of course, out and about, she would say. Sometimes I just need to get out of this place, get away, yes, even from you. Holding the words, the look into the eye of the lens long enough. Yes, of course you must. Now the earth movers had turned Kundakhadar into Asia's largest construction site. The negotiations entered a new stage. Varanasi was talking directly to Washington to put pressure on Avad to abandon the dam and avoid a potentially destabilizing water war. US support was conditional on Bharat's agreement to the Hamilton Protocols, which Bharat could never do. 
not with its major international revenue generator being the wholly AI generated soapy town and country. Washington telling me to effectively sign my own death warrant, AJ Rao would laugh. Americans surely appreciate irony. All this he told her as they sat on the well-tended lawn sipping green chai through a straw. Isha sweating freely in the swelter but unwilling to go into the air-conditioned cool because she knew there were still paparazzi lenses out there focusing. AJ never needed to sweat, but she still knew that he split himself. In the night in the rare cool he would ask, "Dance for me." But she didn't dance anymore. Not for the AI AJ Rao, not for Pran, not for thrilled audience who would shower her with praise and flowers and money and fame, not even for herself. Tired, too tired, the heat, too tired. Thakur is on edge, toying with his chai cup, wary of eye contact when they meet in his beloved international coffee house. He takes her hand and draws the updates into her open palm with boyish coyness. His talk is smaller than small, finicky, itchily polite. Finally, he dares looks at her. Mrs. Rathod, I have something I must ask you. I have wanted to ask you for some time now. Always the name, the honorific, but the breath still freezes. Her heart kicks in animal fear. You know, you can ask me anything. Tastes like poison. Harker can't hold her eye. Ducks away. Killa Krishna cop turn shy boy. Mrs. Rathod, I am wondering if you would like to come and see me play cricket. The Department of Artificial Intelligence Registration and Licensing versus Parks and Cemetery Service of Delhi is hardly a test against the United States of Bengal, but it is still enough of a social occasion to push out frocks and number one sarees. Pavilions, parasols, sunshades ring the scorched grass of the civil service of Avad Sports Ground. A flock of white wings. Those who can afford portable airco field generators sit in the cool, drinking English Pims Number One cups. The rest fan themselves, incognito in high-label shades and light silk dupatta. Isha Rathod looks at the salt-white figures moving on the circle of brown grass. and wonders what it is that they find so important in their game of sticks and balls to make themselves suffer so she had felt hideously self-conscious when she slipped out of the futfut in her flimsy disguise then as she saw the crowds in their mela finery milling and chatting heat rose inside her the same energy that allowed her to hide behind her performances seen but unseen a face half the country sees on its morning chatty mags yet can vanish so easily under shades and a headscarf slum features the anonymity of the busty bred into the cheekbones a face from the great crowd the krishna cops have been put into bat by parks and cemeteries thakur is in the middle of the batting order but parks and cemeteries pace bowler choudhry and the lumpy wicket is making short work of the department's openers one on his way to the painted wooden pavilion and thakur striding towards the crease pulling on his gloves taking his place lining up his bat he is very handsome in his whites isha thinks he runs a couple of desultory ones with his partner at the other end then it's a new over clop of a ball on willow a rich sweet sound a couple of safe returns then the bowler lines and brings his arm around in a windmill the ball gets a sweet mad bounce Thakur fixes it with his eye, steps back, 
takes it in the middle of the bat and drives it down hard fast bounding towards the boundary rope that kicks it into the air for a cheer and flurry of applause and a four and isha is on her feet hands raised to applaud cheering the score clicks over on the big board and she is still on her feet alone of all the audience for directly across the ground in front of the sight screens is a tall elegant figure in black wearing a red turban him impossibly him looking right at her through the white clad players as if they were ghosts and very slowly he lifts a finger and taps it to his right ear she knows what she'll find but she must raise her fingers in echo feel with horror the coil of plastic overlooked in her excitement to get to the game nestled accusing in her hair like a snake So who won the cricket then? Why do you need to ask me? If it were important to you, you'd know. Like you can know anything you really wanted to. You don't know. Didn't you stay to the end? I thought the point of sport was who won. What other reason would you have to follow inter-civil service cricket? If Puri the maid were to walk into the living room, she would see a scene from a folk tale. a woman shouting and raging at silent dead air but puri does her duty and leaves as soon as she can she's not easy in a house of jins sarcasm is it now where did you learn that some sarcasm ai you've made part of yourself so now there's another part of you i don't know that i'm supposed to love well i don't like it and i won't love it because it makes you look petty and mean and spiteful there are no ais for that We have no need for those emotions. If I learn these, I learn them from humans. Isha lifts her hand to rip away the hook, hurl it against the wall. No. So far, Rao has been voice only. Now the slanting late afternoon golden light stirs and curdles into the body of her husband. Don't, he says. Don't banish me. I do love you. What does that mean? Isha screams. You're not real. None of this is real. It's just a story we made up because we wanted to believe it. Other people, they have real marriages, real lives, real sex, real children. Children? Is that what it is? I thought the fame, the attention was the thing. That there would never be children to ruin your career and your body. Well, if that's no longer enough, we can have children. The best children I can buy. Isha cries out a keen of disappointment and frustration the neighbors will hear but the neighbors have been hearing everything listening gossiping no secrets in the city of jins you know what they're saying all those magazine and chatty shows what they're really saying about us the jin and his wife i know for the first time ajay rao's voice so sweet so reasonable inside her head is raised I know what every one of them says about our Sisha. Have I ever asked anything of you? Only to dance. I am asking one more thing of you now. It's not a big thing, it's a small thing. Nothing really. You say I am not real, what we have is not real. That hurts me because at some level it's true. Our worlds are not compatible, but it can be real. There is a chip, new technology, a protein chip You get it implanted here. Rao raises his hand to his third eye. 
It would be like the hook, but it would always be on. I could always be with you. We would never be apart. And you would leave your world and enter mine. Isha's hands are at her mouth, holding in the horror, the bile, the sick vomit of fear. She heaves, wretches, nothing, no solid, no substance, just ghosts and jinns. Then she rips her hoek from the sweet spot behind her ear and there is blessed silence and blindness. She holds the little device in her two hands and snaps it cleanly in two. Then she runs from her house. Not Nita, not Priya, not Snippy Pran in Yitz Gharana, not Madhuri, a smoke-blackened hulk in a life support chair, and no, not even her mother, never her mother. Even though Isha's feet remember every step to her door, never the basti. That's death. Only one place she can go. But he won't let her. He's there in the futfut, his face in the palm of her hands, voice scrolling silently in a ticker across the smart fabric. Come back, I am sorry, come back, let's talk, come back, I didn't mean to, come back. Hunched in the back of the little yellow and black plastic bubble, she clenches his face into a fist, but she can still feel him, feel his face, his mouth next to her skin. She peels the palmer from her hand. His mouth moves silently. She hurls him into the traffic. He vanishes under truck tires. And still he won't let her go. The futfut spins into Connaught Circus's vast gyratory. And his face is on every single one of the video silk screens hung across the curving facades. Twenty AJ Rao's greater, lesser, least, miming in sync. Isha, Isha, come back. Say the rolling news stickers. We can try something else. Talk to me. Any ISO, any Palmer, anyone. Infectious paralysis spreads across Connaught Circus. First the people who notice things like fashion ads and chatty screens. Then the people who notice other people. Then the traffic, noticing all the people on the pavement staring up, mouths fly-catching. Even the Futfut driver is staring. Connaught Circus is congealing into a clot of traffic. If the heart of Delhi stops... The whole city will seize and die. Drive on, drive on, Isha shouts at her driver. I order you to drive. But she abandons the auto rickshaw at the end of Sisganj Road and pushes through the clogged traffic the final half kilometer to Manmohan Singh buildings. She glimpses Thakur pressing through the crowd, trying to rendezvous with the police motorbike, sirening a course through the traffic. In desperation, she thrusts up an arm, shouts out his name and rank. At last, he turns. They beat towards each other through the chaos. Mrs. Rathod, we are facing a major incursion incident. My husband, Mr. Rao, he has gone mad. Mrs. Rathod, please understand. By our standards, he never was sane. He is an AI. The motorbike wails its horns impatiently. Thakur waggles his head to the driver. A woman in police leathers and helmet. In a moment, in a moment. He seizes Isha's hands pushes her thumb into his palmer-gloved hand. Apartment 1501. I've keyed it to your thumbprint. Open the door to no one, accept no calls. Do not use any communications of entertainment equipment. Stay away from the balcony. I'll return as quickly as I can. Then he swings up onto the pillion. The driver walks her machine round and they weave off into the gridlock. The apartment is modern and roomy and bright and clean for a man on his own well-furnished and decorated with no signs of a Krishna cop's work brought home of an evening. 
It hits her in the middle of the big living room floor with the sun pouring in. Suddenly, she is on her knees on the Kashmiri rug, shivering, clutching herself, bobbing up and down to sobs so racking they have no sound. This time, the urge to vomit it all up cannot be resisted. When it is out of her, not all of it, it will never all come out. She looks out from under her hanging, sweat-soaked hair, breath still shivering in her aching chest. Where is this place? What has she done? How could she have been so stupid, so wan and senseless and blind? Games, games. Children's pretending. How could it ever have been? I say it is and it is so. Look at me. At me. Thakur has a small professional bar in his kitchen annex. Isha does not know drink. So the chota peg she makes herself is much, much more gin than tonic. But it gives her what she needs to clean the sour, bile vomit from the wool rug and ease the quivering in her breath. Isha starts, freezes. Imagining Rao's voice. She holds herself very still, listening hard. A neighbor's TV turned up. Thin walls in these new-built executive apartments. She'll have another chota peg. A third. And she can start to look around. There's a spa pool on the balcony. The need for moving, healing water defeats Thakur's warnings. The jets bubble up. With the dancer's grace, she slips out of her clinging, emotionally soiled clothes into the water. There's even a little holder for your chota peg. A pernicious little doubt. How many others have been here before me? No, this is his kind of thinking. You are away from that. Safe, invisible, immersed. Down in Sisganj Road, the traffic unravels. Overhead, the dark silhouettes of the scavenging kites and higher above, the security robots expand and merge their black wings as Isha drifts into sleep. I thought I told you to stay away from the windows. Isha wakes with a start, instinctively covers her breasts. The jets have cut out and the water is long still, perfectly transparent. Thakur is blue-chinned, baggy-eyed and sagging in his rumpled, gritty suit. I'm sorry, it was just... I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to be away, you know? A bone-weary nod. He fetches himself a chota peg. Rests it on the arm of his sofa and then very slowly, very deliberately, as if every joint were rusted, undresses. Security has been compromised on every level. In any other circumstance, it would constitute an eye-war attack on the nation. The body he reveals is not a dancer's body. Thakur runs a little to upper body fat. Muscles slack, incipient man tits, hair on the belly, hair on the back, hair on the shoulders. But it is a body. It is real. The Bharati government has disavowed the action and waived A.I. Rao's diplomatic immunity. He crosses to the pool and restarts the jets. Gin and tonic in his hand, he slips into the water with a bone-deep, skin-sensual sigh. What does that mean? Isha asks. Your husband is now a rogue AI. What will you do? There is only one course of action permitted to us. We will excommunicate him. Isha shivers in the caressing bubbles. She presses herself against Thakur. She feels him, his man-body, move against her. He is flesh. He is not hollow. Kilometers above the urban stain of Delhi, AI craft turn and seek. The warnings stay in place the next morning. Palmer, home entertainment system, com channels, yes, and the balcony, even for the spa.
If you need me, this palmer is department secure. He won't be able to reach you on this. Thakur sets the glove and hoek on the bed. Cocooned in silk sheets, Isha pulls the glove on, tucks the hoek behind her ear. You wear that in bed? I'm used to it. Varanasi silk sheets and Kama Sutra prints. Not what one would expect of a Krishna cop. She watches Thakur dress for an excommunication. It's the same as for any job. Ironed white shirt, tie, handmade black shoes, never brown in town, well polished. Eternal riff of bad aftershave. The difference? The leather holster slung under the arm and the weapon slipped so easily inside it. What's that for? Killing AIs, he says simply. A kiss and he is gone. Isha scrambles into his cricket pullover, a waif in baggy white that comes down to her knees, and dashes to the forbidden balcony. If she cranes over, she can see the street door. There he is, stepping out, waiting at the curb. His car is late, the road is thronged, the din of engines, car horns and fat-fat klaxons has been constant since dawn. She watches him wait, enjoying the empowerment of invisibility. I can see you. How do they ever play sport in these things? She asks herself, skin under cricket pullover and sticky. It's already 30 degrees according to the weather ticker across the foot of the video silk. Shuttering over the open face of new build across the street. High of 38. Probability of precipitation? Zero. The screen loops town and country for those devotees who must have their soapy subtitles scrolling above the newsfeed. Hello, Isha, Ved Prakash says, turning to look at her. The thick cricket pullover is no longer enough to keep out the ice. Now, Begun Vora namastes to her and says, I know where you are. I know what you did. Ritu Prazaz sits down on her sofa, pours chai and says, What I need you to understand is that it worked both ways. That where they put into your palmer, it wasn't clever enough. Mouth working wordlessly, knees, thighs weak with Basti girl's superstitious fear. Isha shakes her palmer-gloved hand in the air, but she can't find the mudras. Can't dance the codes right. Call, call, call. The scene cuts to Govind at his racing stable, stroking the neck of his thoroughbred Uber star, Star of Agra. As they spy on me, I spy on them. Dr. Chatterjee in his doctor's office. So in the end, we betrayed each other. Her call has to go through the Department Security Authorization and Crypt. Dr. Chatterjee's patient, a man in black with his back to the camera, turns, smiles. It is A.J. Rao. After all, what diplomat is not a spy? Then she sees the flash of white over the rooftops. Of course, of course. He's been keeping her distracted like a true soapy should. Isha flies to the railing to cry a warning, but the machine is tunneling down the street. Just under the power line height, wings morphed back, engines throttled up an AI traffic monitor drone. Thakur! Thakur! One voice in the thousands. And it is not hers that he hears and turns towards. Everyone can hear the footsteps of his own death. Alone in the hurrying street, he sees the drone pile out of the sky. At 300 kilometers per hour, it takes Inspector Thakur of the Department of Artificial Intelligence Registration and Licensing to pieces. The drone, deflected, ricochets into a bus, a car, a truck, a fat-fat, 
strewing plastic shards, gobs of burning fuel and its small intelligence across Siskan's road. The upper half of Thakur's body cartwheels through the air to slam into a hot samosa stand. The jealousy and wrath of jinns. Isha on her balcony is frozen. Town and country is frozen. The street is frozen, as if on the tipping point of a precipice. Then it drops into hysteria. Pedestrians flee, cycle rickshaw drivers dismount and try to run their vehicles away. Drivers and passengers abandon cars, taxis, futfuts. Scooters try to navigate through the panic. Buses and trucks are stalled, hemmed in by people. And still Isha Rathod is frozen to the balcony rail. Soap. This is all soap. Things like this cannot happen. Not in the Sisganj Road, not in Delhi, not on a Tuesday morning. It's all computer-generated illusion. It has always been an illusion. Then her palmer calls. She stares at her hand in numb incomprehension. The department. There is something she should do. Yes. She lifts it in a mudra, a dancer's gesture, to take the call. In the same instant as if summoned, the sky fills with gods. They are vast as clouds, towering up behind the apartment blocks of Sisganj Road like thunderstorms. Ganesh on his rat vahan, with his broken tusk and pen, no benignity in his face. Shiva rising high over all, dancing in his revolving wheel of flames, foot raised in the instant before destruction. Hanuman with his mace and mountain fluttering between the tower blocks, Kali skull-jeweled, red tongue dripping venom, Scimitars raised, bestride Sisgun's road, feet planted on the rooftops. In the streets, the people mill. They can't see this, Isha comprehends. Only me. Only me. It is the revenge of the Krishna cops. Kali raises her scimitars high. Lightning arcs between their tips. She stabs them down into the screen, frozen town and country. Isha cries out, momentarily blinded as the Krishna cops hunter-killers track down and excommunicate rogue AI AJ Rao. And then they are gone. No gods. The sky is just the sky. The video silk hoarding is blank. Dead. A vast godlike roar above her. Isha ducks. Now the people in the street are looking at her. All the eyes, all the attention she ever wanted. A tilt jet in Avadhi Air Force, Camellio Flage slides over the roof and turns in air over the street, swiveling engine ducts and unfolding wingtip wheels for landing. It turns its insect head to Isha. In the cockpit is a faceless pilot in a HUD visor. Beside her, a woman in a business suit, gesturing for Isha to answer a call. Thakur's partner, she remembers now. The jealousy and wrath of jinns. Mrs. Rathor, it's Inspector Kaur. She can barely hear her over the scream of the ducted fans. Come downstairs to the front of the building. You're safe now. The AI has been excommunicated. Excommunicated. Thakur, just come downstairs, Mrs. Rathod. You're now safe. The threat is over. The tilt jet sinks beneath her. As she turns from the rail, Isha feels a sudden warm touch on her face. Jet swirl, or maybe just a gin, passing, unresting, unhasting, and silent as light. The Krishna cops sent us as far from the wrath and caprice of the AIs as they could to lay under the breath of the Himalaya. I say us, for I existed, a knot of four cells inside my mother's womb. My mother bought a catering business. She was in demand for weddings and shadis. 
We might have escaped the AIs and the chaos following Avad signing the Hamilton Acts, but the Indian male's desperation to find a woman to marry endures forever. I remember that for favoured clients, those who had tipped well or treated her as something more than a paid contractor, or remembered her face from the chatty mags, she would slip off her shoes and dance Radha and Krishna. I loved to see her do it, and when I slipped away to the temple of Lord Ram, I would try to copy the steps amongst the pillars of the mandap. I remember the Brahmins would smile and give me money. The dam was built and the water war came and was over in a month. The AIs persecuted on all sides fled to Bharat where the massive popularity of town and country gave them protection. But even there, they were not safe. Humans and AIs, like humans and Jinni, were two different creations and in the end they all left Avad for another place that I do not understand. A world of their own where they are safe and no one can harm them. And that is all there is to tell in the story of the woman who married a jinn. If it does not have the happy ever after ending of western fairy tales and Bollywood musicals, it has a happy enough ending. This spring I turn 12 and shall head off on the bus to Delhi to join the gharana there. My mother fought this with all her will and strength for her Delhi would always be the city of jinns, haunted and stained with blood. But when the temple brahmins brought her to see me dance, her opposition melted. By now she was a successful businesswoman putting on weight getting stiff in the knees from the dreadful winters refusing marriage offers on a weekly basis and in the end she could not deny the gift that had passed to me and I am curious to see those streets and parks where her story and mine took place the red fort and the sad decay of the shalimar gardens I want to feel the heat of the jinns in the crowded gullies behind the jama masjid in the dervishes of litter along chandni chowk in the starlings swirling above kanot circus le is a buddhist town filled with third generation tibetan exiles little tibet they called it and they have their own gods and demons from the old muslim jin finder i have learned some of their lore and mysteries but i think my truest knowledge comes when i am alone in the ram temple after i have danced before the priests close the garbagrah and put the god to bed On still nights when the spring turns to summer or after the monsoons I hear a voice it calls my name always i suppose it comes from the japa softs the little low level ais that mutter our prayers eternally to the gods but it seems to emanate from everywhere and nowhere from another world another universe entirely it says the creatures of wood and fire are different from the creatures of clay and water but one thing is true love endures then as i turn to leave I feel a touch on my cheek a passing breeze the warm sweet breath of jinns There you go what can I say one of the quintessential stories out there from my kind of time with starships over and we eventually played on the show how cool is that big thank you to Ian for letting us play that story and Kashishnik for the fantastic narration thank you so much and little hat little tip of the hat to jeremy there pulling that together as well no mean feat thank you jeremy so that is today's show i hope you enjoyed it like i said just sit back and just get lost in that world excellent 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 until next week just like to say good night from me this presentation has been brought to you by the district of wonders network dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
pockets and pointing them to the moon. But the work is going slowly, it won't get to you anytime soon. Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio, I wanna talk to you. the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.